This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Lended Fintech Weekly News Show. My name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lended Fintech. And today, I'm not joined by Todd Anderson. He is actually in Disney World with his family. Uh, we have Bo Bruscone here, my good friend and colleague. How are you doing, Bo? I'm well, Peter. Thanks for having me back on. Of course. And joined our spe- with our special guest today, Dan Kwan. How are you doing, Dan? Very well. Thank you. Okay. Before we get going, Dan, just a quick... Uh, 30-second update on, um, is, it, is it Nevcart? Is that how you say it? Nevcart, yes. Never call. <laughs> okay. Just quick, quick 30-second update on that. <laughs> sure. Thanks, uh, thanks, Peter and Bo, to, uh, for inviting me back to the show. Um, um, so, uh, you know, for folks who know me, I, uh, I was a, a former regulator and uh, last year raised the fund. Nevcart Ventures were investing in fintech and insurtech and mostly focusing on early stage startups. So been doing very well, very busy year for us too. Right. And it has been a, a very busy week this week. Let's kick it off with what I think is probably the biggest story of the week. And that's, we had, we had like many big stories to choose from, but we're going to start off with Walmart and um, Walmart and announced um, that they are, we know, we now know the name of their FinTech, uh, the new FinTech initiative. Say so they have, a, they made two acquisitions public um, this week. They've acquired even, and that's not to be confused. There's two evens, even financial, which um, was actually being acquired by Moneyline. Uh, this is that's not that what what Walmart is uh, doing, but uh, even.com, which is sort of the earned wage access company, they uh, they've been acquired by Walmart and uh, One Finance, which is a neo bank. I don't really know that well at all, but they've but together they've both. Um, both have been acquired. Uh, valuation um, of their last valuation was supposedly four hundred million um, total between the two of them. So, not not a huge acquisition, but still, you know, pretty serious. And Walmart, Walmart, we're starting to see a little bit more um, detail of what uh, what Walmart's going to be doing. Keep in mind, even um, Walmart was a very big customer of even they had their their technology inside Walmart. So obviously there was a relationship there. Uh, and Dan, I know you've been. Um, yeah, you've been following even for a, for a long time, but anyway, what are you, what are your thoughts on the on the Walmart acquisition here? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting uh, move that Walmart and, and I guess not just Walmart but also Ribbit uh, uh, move in the space. So clearly, I mean, they're talking about the super app, and we have to bear in mind everything Walmart does actually is sort of trying to um, to um, um, with with their big Walmart business, Walmart shops, you know, or maybe Sam's Club as well, in mind. So how did this new venture really help? You know, more you know incremental uh, uh, sales um, uh, in the stores, and also obviously with EWA or which access that's helping their employees too. So I, I, I'm so I mean we don't have any details, but if you look at the Wong Finance, which which is a uh, relatively new player in the new bank space. And uh, when they started, they actually said, listen, you know, we're, we're different from Chime or Barrel, which target the sort of, you know, underserved consumers. We are more of a, you know, middle class, maybe, you know, prime 
uh, near prime customers, which are underserved relatively uh, by the banks. And the Walmart shoppers are sort of more probably geared towards, uh, I would say, uh, China Mobile customers. Mm-hmm. So how that this 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 uh, new venture is going to really, you know, help solve the problems for the Walmart shoppers? Who I would argue, you know, they they I mean Walmart used to still does today distribute these prepaid cards they hook to you know bring that basically took off with Walmart. Now you have China really are very. Who's, that's very good at acquiring customers digitally from mobile. Now, this 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 new venture are they going to really target sort of the customer that Chime is already serving and serving pretty well? Um, yeah, I think there there are a lot of details that you know. I think uh, as the uh, you know as fintech investor, we're very interested in learning in the coming months and weeks. Mm-hmm. Bo, any thoughts? You know, I'm. I just get dubious whenever I hear about a um, any North American company developing a super app because I just don't I I I think that model that came out of China um, was effective there for a number of reasons and won't be effective in North America. Um, so I think they can. I think Walmart can be successful as a as a fintech. I think they can develop great products. I think they. They can, you know, use their reach, um, you know, and and all kind. They have all kinds of advantages here. But when it's when they say they're look, looking to build a financial super app, I think they're going to fall short. They could do something really significant, but I don't think a super app is going to happen. Well, it's funny because the you know a firm had some news this week saying they're going to do us. They, they're creating a super app. PayPal have said they're creating a super app. I mean, it's you know, I, I, there's a lot of work. It might to be done. the the secret, secret handshake for a bigger valuation like that. That might just be the word that you need to use. Um, I'm getting tired of those words, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I and mean, somehow that there's always always there's a PayPal root in it, right? So uh, Levchin, co-founder of PayPal. PayPal is PayPal, and uh, Bill Harris, who's the co- co-founder of uh, Wang Finance, uh, who was also first CEO of PayPal. So right. maybe there, maybe there's something about PayPal. Uh, <laughs> sure. Another point I want to make here is really about the even the role even plays here. So uh, again, we don't know any details. So even is the early access provider, and the, Peter, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, they are a uh, current vendor or EWA solution for Walmart. So if now. Walmart is official owner of Even. How does it really affect Even's ability to serve other employers? So um, that that's really a big question mark too. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, it's if Walmart, if Walmart wants them all for themselves, not much to much to be uh, revealed. And I fi- I finally heard back from Omar Ismail, by the way, uh, the, the 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 head of this whole operation. Uh, he did. I've, I've been hounding him for the last like six months, and uh, he finally. He emailed me back this week, but he doesn't have anything to say, he said. So <laughs> we will, uh, you know, being very, very careful about uh, what we say. Anyway, let's move on. Um, I want to talk about uh, Diem, uh, Facebook's, um, I would, what, would, what would you call it, a, a tragic uh, sort of uh, um, project that never really made the light of day. You know, it was originally called Libra, um, then then rebranded to Diem, and then they had their wallet, the digital wallet, which was called Calibra, and is now called Novi. Lots of brands there. You got Facebook's now that's now Meta. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, 
DM is dying, it looks like. Um, and Silvergate uh, Bank, which was which was going to be the bank partner for DM, is now, uh, according to Bloomberg, I think it was, is uh, actually going to be taking over the assets for, of DM for $200 million. So, is, so yeah, it looks like Facebook are um, got their tail between their legs and they're they're going home from the uh, you know from the sort of the digital currency party, shall we say? Is that is that um, interesting to to you that uh, um, Meta, Google, they both tried multiple times at payments and, and just financial services in general, especially mm-hmm. Google. None of them actually has ever succeeded in any shape or form. Right. Last year there was a big sort of you know I think it was the last year or maybe yeah COVID has really <laughs> uh, I really lost track of time because of COVID. Um, Google came out with this of Plex accounts um, and they got multiple bank partners on the platform and now they killed it last year and they just go back to scratch. They hire somebody from PayPal to to restart their 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 sort of foray into into uh, financial services. Mm-hmm. And I think for this uh, DM thing, you know, it's not a problem with stablecoin. Um, and in fact, Silvergate, you know, I think the article talk, talks about uh, the Fed is not comfortable with Silver, Silvergate being the issuer of the stablecoin. But we also have Figure announcing with a bunch of, you know, community banks issuing stablecoins. Right. Uh, and the, even the presence working group suggests, recommend that, uh, you know, stablecoin should be brought under the FDIC and the Fed's purview. So I feel like this is not just stablecoin's problem or not, not even Silvergate's problem. It's really... Going back to sort of you know the the uh, the uneasiness of the regulators or the policymakers and politicians about about Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I I'd agree, and and I'll just you know mention just very very briefly that um, Zuck is really good at pointing out things that are going to be big, and um, there's some things they just can't execute on, and I'm not going to you know I mean. There may be a whole lot of reasons, but, um, you know, metaverse, probably going to be big. Crypto, probably going to be big. Can Facebook play in it? Probably not. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about another um, huge tech company here. And we're talking about Apple, the biggest of them all. Uh, I thought this was really interesting when I saw it this morning. Um so Apple is going to basically do an update to iOS soon where you'll be able to, uh, anyone will be able to just use their phone to accept payments. That's credit card payments or Apple Pay payments um, that um, will be basically, they're going head to head with Square. I'm, I'm uh, sorry, Block, as I should say now. Um, <laughs> they are they are really, um, this is without any hardware because block you still you know you still need hardware of some sort to accept uh, payments whereas apple's saying just use your phone that's it obviously that's where we're going and apple looks like they want to they want to start a, a merchant uh, you know merchant acceptance business yeah this one's huge the, i i am i don't know why this wasn't super obvious to me but this is just this is uh this is a giant um I don't even want to call it an innovation. It's more of just like uh, just one more chip that they've tucked into the the case that that changes the game. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think it is, you know, obviously it's going to be pointed at merchants first, but why why isn't this also, is, is there talk about this being consumer also? 
Um, I, it should be in the long run. Be, right? in, the, in the long run, I, I can't see. It's all going to be hooked up with Apple Pay. I can't imagine it not being you right. know, consumer. Like you can say to your buddy, hey, man, you owe me 50 bucks. Okay, here's my credit card. Right. Um, right. but, and then um, they get interchange and all yeah. kinds of stuff. So it's a, it's a clever move. Um, and I think it's going to change the game. I think the interesting thing is which the article fails to really go a bit deeper uh, is you know how is this going to really compete head to head with with block or mm-hmm. with Square? So I think having a dongle itself, I mean Square gives a dongle for free if you're if you're if you're SMB merchant, uh, and accepting um, payments on the dongle is not that difficult. It's just like you know when people say tapping is is better than uh, than swiping, that's not really true, um, and. Uh, Curious about whether Apple is. I, I'm sure you know, payment acceptance is just the first move, but Square's offer, Block's offer, goes beyond just you know payment acceptance. That's their first you know first right, thing, right? And it's all about you know obviously you know all the uh, um, services that they provide to SMB uh, merchants. Um, interesting whether Apple is going to do that, and all, whether this is going to really create any kind of a competitive, well, anti-competition you know, uh, complaints from square. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's just not clear to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, you're right. Cause square really has an entire ecosystem now, whereas the, with the, the, the dongle and the, the merchant acceptance is just sort of the entry point, as you say. So anyway, we need to move on cause we've got another big story uh, to talk about all of these stories could have been the top story. This is UBS, um, the Swiss banking giant, um, found out they have $3.2 trillion under management. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. They're buying Wealthfront, which has less than what's that? Less than one percent of the AUM that Swiss that, that UBS has. Wealthfront has twenty-seven billion dollars under management. That they're buying it, one point four billion dollar all cash deal. Um, you know that's that's pretty impressive. Wealthfront really was. I mean, the pioneer. Them and Betterment were the pioneers when it came when it comes to sort of online. Uh, Online advice and online wealth management. I think uh, they've done, they've both done a really good job, and uh, you know it's um, you know it's probably the end of an era, but or the beginning of a new one. But uh, the wealth front investors seem like they've done pretty well here. Yeah, two thoughts on this one. One is back of the envelope. It looks like about a twenty times revenues um, multiple valuation. So solid, solid. Um, and also a real long haul for Andy Ratcliffe, whom we've had as a speaker before and, uh, um, I'd count as a friend of lend it. I mean, he's been at that for 14 years, according to LinkedIn. Um, so that is, that, that's saying something. I mean, he's, whenever we talk to him, he, he, he certainly had the love, he had the mission and, uh, but I think an exit was was um, of this nature was is definitely the right move for Wealthfront um, because yeah. U, UBS can really use that technology and deploy um, a lot of their clients on the Wealthfront platform. I would assume uh, for greater margins and greater service. So this is a this is a great move for I think both firms. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh- you know, Wealthfront. I mean, the the uh, less than one percent of assets and uh, four hundred thousand uh, users using Wealth, Wealthfront service, me included. That's really you know a drop in the bucket 
from UBS perspective, it's really about the technology, the talent that they are they are acquiring. And if Bo, your number, if if Bo, if Bo, if your number is right, twenty x return, uh, a multiple, that's really a that's pretty a nice exit, nice payday, and all cash for investors. Much better um, for uh, much better than the uh, you know going public, given the uh, you know the uh, totally. where Nasdaq is today. Yeah. Just, just one thing I'll say before we move on. I mean, UBS, actually, if you remember back to our Europe event in 2017, I think it was, um, where we had UBS, UBS launched their Smart Wealth product and they had, just before our event, and they, they, had, they talked about it there, which this was their answer to the robo-advisors and, and then they shut it down about two years later. So they tried to do it themselves, couldn't, uh, and now, now they've gone and acquired someone who has been successful at it. So here's the real test, and I know we have to move on, but um, you know what what Andy would say regularly when we talk to him is, I mean, he's so passionate about developing a brilliant product um, and just being extremely consumer um, centric, and um, you know, we'll see if UBS can can hold on to those developers and maintain that sort of um, passion for building great products. Uh, because there's some likelihood that this um, that this just becomes kind of a walking dead in terms of in terms of app, um, app development. But well, I, I hope not. I hope not too. Yeah. Well, I mean, personal personal capital was acquired last year, and this year is uh, Wells Fargo. We'll see how long uh, you know Betterman is going to stay uh, independent. <laughs> Right, right. Probably not, uh, not a huge amount, not right. a huge time longer. I don't think. Anyway, let's move on. Um, I want to talk about Experian? Uh, yes, the credit bureau. They um, they had an interesting announcement this week where they're going to allow consumers who don't have a credit report because they're because they've never taken out credit um, to actually create their own credit report, and it's called Experian Go. Um, and what it's going to do if you have, and I don't give details, but you know, I'm guessing it's things. If you have a not, if you're a recurring non-debt, you know, type uh, a type transaction that happens every month, whether it's a, uh, you know, it could be Netflix, it could be your utility bill, um, you know, anything that really is that you're paying every month, you can report this into Experian Go, and they can create a. Um, a credit file for you. And in the pilot, they had 15,000 people in the pilot, which the interesting thing to me, the most interesting thing of all is these are people that had no credit score. And when they came off the pilot, their average credit score was 665, which uh, that's, that to me is, and that's bordering on, you know, prime. It's not quite prime, but it's getting close. That's for people who had no file. So really, I think this is a really interesting move by experience. And the, the, so what, what really confuses me about this is uh, how is it different from what Experian has been doing for, for about two years, which is... Exactly. Really the Boost, the Boost the product. Yeah. Yeah. So Boost is, uh, again, it's, it's opt-in by the consumer and they've had, they've had like, I think it was like 9 million people. They've had, you know, they even had a Super Bowl ad with, uh, with that product. But um, yeah, that is, I think it was just your phone bill and your utility bill. And that was, and it had, that was sort of the only thing you could do. This is now, it's really, when you think about it, it's an expansion of Boost. And Boost, you had to have an existing credit report. So this is for people who have no credit report and then you can put on a much broader array of charges. That's 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 my understanding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think you know, I would love to see more details how 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 that works. I mean, just just 
practically how how does it, how how a consumer you know physically links his or her you know various non debt recurring payments to you know I th- I I got to think there's there's some some middleman like Felicity probably in in between yeah. to to make those uh you know linkages. Um, and the other thing is, uh, I, I remember this was from a couple of years ago. My, my former colleague of mine, uh, Corey Stone, he wrote a piece about sort of the future that he envisions. This was after the Equifax breach, where you know consumers are really in charge of their own credit reports. So you no longer need a middleman to really store your records. You can actually just uh, you know um, uh, create your own. And this this is exactly what. Uh, experience doing for those who have no uh, credit history, but why can't we do it ourselves? We can link our own accounts, you know, credit cards or, you know, mortgages and uh, send the file directly to a lender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's coming, I think. Yeah. This is, um, this is really important. I think we could all agree. Uh, and um, I think it is something that every college freshman should understand that they should subscribe to a Substack, let's say, charge it against their, I don't know if you can ACH for Substack, um, charge it against their their checking account and uh, start reporting, start building their credit report. So let's say they graduate on time, four years later, they actually have a decent credit score and they can go and be um, recognized by the financial system. Right now they're they're not. Right. Right. And that's what Experian is really obviously trying to change. Great, great thing for financial inclusion. Anyway, I want to talk about Plaid. Um, Plaid announced this week they um, have a new product called Plaid Portal. And I actually went on there myself and, and registered. Um, basically what it is, it's letting you know, because, you know, when you go and connect your bank account and these days it often has the Plaid logo and your bank account logo together saying, hey, you're gonna, going to connect the uh, connect your bank account to whatever service. Um, I had about 15 services that I was, um, that I was connected to with plaid. Good to see them all. Some of them I'd forgotten about. And, um, and so it, they, they supply, they actually say that connects with 5,500 different services. Um, this, I think this is, it, it, I mean, it's, it's a product that apparently ca- came out of um, the, well, I think, not sure what the exact relationship is, but they had a, a, a had to do a settlement, um, fifty-eight million dollars settlement in a privacy lawsuit um, because they were, you know, they were out there. People people were sharing the information, assuming this was Bank of America or, or you know Wells Fargo, or whatever. When it's actually Plaid that's taking information, so they had to go and do that settlement. But uh, regardless, this is this is needed information because I like you, if you're, you're sharing your stuff with Plaid. It's good to know, you know, you forget about it. And now you can go back in and find out everywhere you've done that. I think Kate, Kate Adamson mentioned this uh, during one of our interviews. Uh, I think at one of our big USA events or something like that a mm-hmm. year, maybe even longer ago. Um, but I think it was, let's say it was a year ago. Um, yeah, I love it. I found out that I, you know, gave my information to Dharma, which was just recently acquired by OpenSea. And now I'm wondering, hey, should I just go unplug that somehow? So it opens up a little bit more of a, um, uh, it's just more transparency. And that's, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the CFPB also asked the question in their uh, AMPR to, uh, to 1033 rulemaking. And they, so basically they want, the question is whether there should be a, some sort of switchboard where you know consumer can go in and, and check and update and uh, you know revoke even you know access to 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 the account services. Um, 
And doesn't doesn't Wells Fargo have one called the Watchtower? Hmm. I'm not aware uh, of that. And I think so. Banks actually wanted to be in control of these uh, switchboards, and obviously aggregators in their from their self interest, they want to do that themselves. But as a consumer, I think it's really better for um, you know an aggregator to do that. So if everyone has something like this, so it will be much easier for everyone to come in. To see what's happening to their financial lives, and if if the, if the app they haven't been using for years, they can just feel free to uh, to disconnect it. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's why it should work. Okay, so uh, let's keep going here. We've got um, <clears throat> the SEC in the news. They have uh, they're, they're looking into um, the practices of some crypto companies now. They've got. Uh, you know, Celsius, Gemini, and Voyager. These are companies that offer interest um, products uh, on interest on your crypto. You know, BlockFi is another company that wasn't listed in this particular um, in this particular inquiry, but I think BlockFi have had the SEC be interested before. Um, and so, this you know, the, the, like thing about it is that crypt, these crypto platforms, and I, I, I'm a I'm a Celsius uh, customer. I have a bunch of crypto there that's earning interest every month, which I really appreciate. I'm also a BlockFi customer, um, but that you know, it's it's a great place because you got you you have your crypto. If you have your crypto in Coinbase, it's just sitting there. Have your crypto with um, Gemini or, or BlockFi or whatever else. You're earning money on it. It's not very much, but you earn something on it every single month, and that's uh, I think that's a good thing. But uh, I really hope the SEC doesn't doesn't shut these platforms down because it just feels like uh, feels like they're circling. What do you think? What, what do you think, Dan? Well, you know, just like you, I, I don't have an account with Celsius, but I do have a you know, bunch of cryptos with uh, BlockFi. And I, I periodically, you know, get, get an email from uh, Zach Pring saying, hey, you know, our, our conversations with state regulators are still ongoing yeah. and the day has been postponed for another. <laughs> I know. I, I got that email. <laughs> you got that email as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's going to happen to you. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Um, I think this is, I think SEC is really, I mean, to some degree, I, I feel bad for the SEC too, because they, you know, they are they are enforcing the law given to them by Congress, right? And uh, they need to decide whether this is security or not. If it is, then you need to, you know, follow appropriate procedures to, to, you know, to disclose. I think the fundamental question is: that's just for the sake of argument. These are securities, and you need to register with the SEC. How does it really help people like you and I who are using the service? feel safer uh, or, or not just feel safer actually our our investments are safer or maybe our um you know or maybe the disclosure will persuade us not to invest i don't know yeah yeah i, I don't know either yeah i i mean there's this is such a giant Rabbit rat's hole. nest for, <laughs> for discussion i'd i'd love to dive in I'll just say that, you know, sort of coming back one one level is to say, you know, we need better leadership among legislators um, to actually put forth laws that make sense in with with these new assets. So, um, it's to me, it's pretty clear that 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 you people are leaning on the SEC when the SEC probably doesn't have a lot of business here. And, uh, and we should, we should look pretty hard at, at, at the, um, at, uh, creating new regimes that make sense in the, in, in, uh, you know, with, with the, with these new assets. Hey, what I'm wondering is how many, how many complaints is the SEC getting 
from these about these companies saying, "Oh, this is so risky. I didn't know how risky this was going to be." And now maybe they're getting some because crypto is down, you know, fifty percent from its highs uh, a few months ago. So, but um, I mean, these are, they go after these interest-bearing accounts, which um, you know, I, I, I guess I mean, I mean, I mean, imagine, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's deemed a security, and um, it doesn't look like that's going to shut these companies down. It's just going to add to their regulatory burden and. What's the most of these companies are really well funded? So, well, I mean, anyway. it's just like the 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 stablecoin reports that the the president's working group published, right? So they are right. concerned about sort of looming, you know, potential risks to investors or even even to the to the financial system. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have a clear. I mean, I have no idea how many complaints the SEC has received. Maybe nothing. Maybe right. they're just worrying about something that that's yet to happen. Yeah. Anyway, so our last story of the day here. Um, wanted to wanted to give a shout out to Lending Club. They reported actually what I thought were, were pretty strong earnings, and they were strong earnings um, compared to anything they've had before. You know, they made eighteen point six million dollars in profit for the calendar year twenty twenty one. That's they've they've never made a full year profit. Um, Eight hundred nineteen million dollars in revenue, and um, you know they beat they beat estimates every quarter in twenty twenty one. They beat estimates, but uh, predicting 1.1 to 1.2 billion dollars in revenue in 2022, 130, 150 million dollars in profit. And Bo, you and I were talking before we went on, and uh, <laughs> the market does not like these results, even though they were great <laughs> results because their guidance wasn't strong enough. But uh, anyway, Lending Club down uh, seems like a considerable amount uh, today after their report yesterday. Well, there's just so much volatility in the market. Maybe they're Maybe they they're they're getting hammered because you know the the guidance was a little lower than than expectations, but um, you know who who's to say? Uh, but they did get crushed. The stock price, right? Yeah, right. But but absolutely, kudos to to Scott and the team. Uh, yeah, and I I think this probably is also good news for for the OCC, right? So they approved. Uh, recently, they approved uh, last week. I'm sure the show probably covered the SoFi's. Um, yes. Um, Banking mm-hmm. charter. So now the OCC has two uh, fintech banks uh, under its purview, and now they're considering Figure whether you know Figure is now has revised their application. And now they are going to accept FDIC insured retail pro- uh, deposits. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, yeah, I, I just hope the regulator, especially in this case the OCC, will keep uh, continue keeping an open mind and uh, approving these uh, you know de novo charters. Right. Yep. For sure. Anyway, we are out of time. Um, thank you, everybody, for for watching or listening. Uh, just before we go, quick a quick reminder: Lend at FinTech Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit, happening in Miami in two weeks, uh, February seventh and eighth. There are still tickets available. Go to lendit.com to find it's out. Ten more. days. It's like, yeah, it's less than two weeks. Yes, there you go. So anyway, it's but. So you need to act now. Go 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 to the website. Go buy a ticket right now. <laughs> anyway, that will be back same time next week. Uh, thanks, Bo. Thanks, Dan. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, Peter. Take care. See you, Dan. Bye bye. Bye.